Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and super excited about today's episode. Today's guest is known for driving change leadership activities for successful digital and organizational transformation. She's currently the change management manager at Ecolab. Please welcome to the show, Susan Evans. Hello, Susan. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk to you today. Same here. And I want to get started as we often do and ask you what you think is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, ever since I worked in uh, customer service, you know, I was always passionate around making our sales team's jobs easier. Uh, I was always looking for ways to automate or streamline their tasks so that they could spend more time with our customers and, you know, really enjoying what they do. Our sales teams are always on the go. They're in the car, in front of the customer, at the plant, at job sites. And they don't have time to sit at a computer, um, you know, until it's late at night. And we're trying to, you know, give them back their evenings with their families. But I think the biggest challenge, you know, for our frontline workers today is having the time to learn new tasks and processes that replace old ones while on the go. All right. So I'd like you to explore that a little bit more. Can you... Um... I think you're you're absolutely spot on. I think it just speaks to the amount of change that we're mm-hmm. expecting many of the the men and women on the front lines to have to absorb. And I'm curious if you have an example or two of, of something that you've seen in your organization that it, you know is kind of represents that that added burden that they have. Well, I mean, digital presents you know an additional layer of of, of that learning. Right? There's so much more that they have to learn faster. Uh, we are advancing um, faster every day in our digital applications and how they need to integrate those into their processes. Um, and um, so it, it, it's a lot of new content that they need to learn, but they're also changing their behaviors, how they interact with a customer um, and in how they you know, change their daily activities. Yeah, I, I think that's such a, a really good point is when we're rolling out new technology, rarely is the process, the underlying process staying the same, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it's easy for everybody in the project team to get really wrapped up about the deployment of that new technology and new applications mm-hmm. and perhaps new laptops or tablets or smartphones or whatever the case may be. But in almost every example I can think of, there are also underlying process changes, uh, exactly as you described, that that have to take place at the same time, and it's mm-hmm. it's difficult to to deal with all of that change at the same time. Yeah, and you know, I'll add that you know, obviously, you know, the pandemic changed things for our frontline workers. Um, we've always been a deathless workforce, um, but the pandemic drove our frontline workers um, to these digital tools in a much more prominent way. Um, you know, they're not able to go to the customer sites 
um, for quite a, quite a little a bit of time, and um, we needed to enable them and how to rethink how they work with their customers um, now that they were closed. But um, you know, in a business-to-business -business environment like uh, our company is, you know, we need to remember that our customers are our frontline workers as well, um, and you know, they need to our our frontline workers, our sales teams need to help our customers adapt those digital tools and processes um, as well to help them meet their needs. It's a really, really interesting point. In, in your environment, because of the nature of, of your business, your frontline workers are interacting with the frontline workers of your customer organizations. And so it's, I hadn't really thought about that at all. It, it's, um, it's exacerbating, you know, what's been difficult for everybody. You're kind of putting that together and probably making an exponential challenge out of that. Yeah, you know, helping these customers, uh, helping our reps coach our customers to manage their operations through remote um, data collection or monitoring. And with that, but the pandemic enabled that we were able to do that without insisting, you know, or requiring our customers to change their processes. It happened um, quite naturally. They were then asking for our help, which is great. Uh, we were ready with the tools, but I think our sales force wasn't quite up to speed with the learning kind uh, part of it. So, um, you know, the pandemic made it a compelling event, right, for for everyone to adopt the technology, and um, our our frontline workers needed to be more digitally savvy, um, so they can teach their customers to leverage these new systems. Yeah. Everything you just said is very near and dear to my heart with the business that we have during the day. So I want to come back to a couple of those things that you just sure. talked about. But before we go into that any further, mm -hmm. I, I want the audience to get a chance to know you a little bit more mm -hmm. and understand your background and, and how you ended up in the role that you're in today. So share with us uh, a little bit of that journey and some of the important milestones along the way. Yeah, I was always interested in automation. Um, you know, I, I've been uh, at my company for 34 years, right? So um, I think my interests evolved with, you know, the environment and the needs, the digital needs of our our in, our customers. And so um, I was always on um, IT project management teams, uh, always helping to build um, training content and teaching those end users how to use the tools, um, you know, in front of them, learning uh, their experiences and how um, we need to adjust those tools, right, to meet the needs of the end users. Um, I always found that really fascinating. Um, you know, fast forward uh, several years on many projects uh, through, you know, Greenbelt uh, um, training and such. You know, I really, um, I was, you know, collecting business requirements and executing on the development, but I really felt the end users, once we rolled it out, didn't know how to adapt the tool, right? So I really wanted to focus on this change components and learning, right? How do they learn? How do they adopt new processes? How do they change their practices, um, you know, in, in the field? I mean, it's it's more about, it's more than the tool, right? It's about how we use the tool. Yeah. So you, I don't, I don't think you ever said the word empathy, but it's just coming out in mm -hmm. everything that you've mm -hmm. said, you, you just talked about your journey from the perspective mm -hmm. of how you could help 
-hmm. those men and women along the way. What mm -hmm. was it that drove you to have such a strong compulsion to, to want to help in that way? You know, I developed a really good relationship with our sales teams, as I said, you know, working uh, customer service and really got to know the people, right? And, and they're, they're people, you know, just like, you know, we are, you know, who aren't frontline workers and they really want to do a good job and they want, you know, to, to be able to change. And I just wanted to help them, you know, just became, you know, very close to understanding our, our business processes but also their experiences. So it just, it just was, you know, natural for me. So. Yeah. It really sounds like it. Did you think that people <laughs> underestimate maybe some of the men and women on the front lines in terms of their willingness and their ability to do some of the things that we need them to do? I think they're willing for sure. Um, and, and so we just have to be, you know, uh, cognizant of the fact that, you know, we need to give them permission, right, to, to, to invest the time in learning new ways of executing their activities. <clears throat> I think that um, we don't do that often enough is, you know, give them uh, the opportunity to grow and develop in a, in a way as fast as we're growing and developing uh, technically. Um, you know, this means um, self-learning, right? Um, uh, using training content um, and uh, absorbing it and figuring out how to apply that um, new process, peer-to-peer um, -peer interactions, um, on-the-job application, all those things take time um, and new skills take time to learn. And so we just want to you know, put learning as one of those important things that they need to do. Yeah. And, and do you think that they're receptive to that or do you see pushback from the men and women in the field? Um, I think they're receptive to it, um, but I also think they're, they're challenged with jungle, juggling too many uh, yeah. uh, tasks. So, yeah. so I think they're, if they're struggling, it's because there's too many things to that are important, you know, and they are important. Our customers are important, you know, uh, you know, solving their problems that are important. Everything is is very urgent and important these days. So yeah. I, I think that's where they're struggling. And it's not the willingness. It's just, you know, figuring out, you know, priorities. And, and if you invest time up front in learning, I think you're going to get that back in not necessarily time, but perhaps, you know, how you can help others or help your cost, help customers. So. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, Susan, I could not possibly agree with you more. I think what you just said is what I have experienced too, is that the men and women on the front lines are very willing to learn and adapt, but you made a fantastic point, which is that they are really driven in the organization by other metrics, right? Mm -hmm. in, in the case of sales, they've got their sales numbers, number of calls that they're going on, number of appointments that they're having and things like that. And on the delivery and execution side, they've got the number of stops and number of deliveries and, and all mm -hmm. of the, those other things that are really mm -hmm. the key metrics that most of those roles are driven to. And the unfortunate part is that when we kind of, we talk about squeezing learning into that mix, mm -hmm. we're not letting up off the gas on those other, you know, key metrics that we're tracking. And so I, I feel like what you're saying is something that 
somebody, maybe you need to stand on the mountaintop and, and scream out to the leadership in those organizations to say, there, this is a small investment of time mm-hmm. on the front end. And yes, it may mean they get, you know, one fewer calls done with a customer or, you know, one fewer stops a day in the truck. But the investment in the long run is better engagement with that employee and ultimately, you know, better engagement with your customers. Do you think that leadership generally buys into that? Or do you think that there's some hesitation on their part because they're so driven to the other metrics of running the business? Um, what I find is I think they see that it's important. It's just how how they're going to integrate that in, in, into all of it. So I think part of my role is to make that training accessible, um, easy, easy to get at, timely. And so, so building um, training and communication plans that step you through that process in a way that perhaps they don't even know, right? They're making the time. It's just um, part, part of the, the um, cadence um, that we're working, working on. So um, I also feel that um, we need to uh, focus on our frontline managers and helping them to coach um, our reps on integrating the digital capabilities so that, um, so that it, it just becomes a natural part of it. So making you know, all of this uh, training available and in a way that um, you know meets their needs, um, yeah. It, I, that's a great point. I, I think um, I had this conversation with somebody else recently. It may have been on the podcast, so any listeners may find me repeating myself now. But um, you know, I, I remember I worked at AT and T years ago, and when I first became a manager at AT and T, the first thing I did was get dropped into two or three weeks of leadership training. Uh, as a first-time manager in the organization. So as kind of a, on the knowledge worker side of things in that organization, um, it was expected that I was actually going to get pulled out of the field for some amount of time and, and go off and get indoctrinated into this new role. And I think that's one of the things I've been thinking back to that time a lot lately. And that I think many of the men and women that I see getting promoted into supervisor and manager roles may have been driving a truck yesterday and now they've gotten bumped into this new role. Um, but they don't always get that same journey of, of leadership development. And I think they're craving, they deserve mm-hmm. uh, better leadership training so that they can actually grow into their role and, and allow them to, to be better at what we're asking them to do. And um, so I, I love that you raised that point. I think there's such an opportunity. I, I know we're primarily talking about you know digital transformation and change management and things like that, but I think those... And I think I've come to realize this from a lot of the people that we've had on the show here, that there's a, an opportunity for us to do a better job of the leadership, mentorship of the leadership, so that they can be better coaches for their folks. Yeah, and I think highlighting, too, that, you know, um, we all need to have this agile mindset of, of, of developing incrementally, right? We're developing incrementally as well as our customers. And you know, helping our our uh, managers and our customers see that um, will help you know us grow together at the same time. You know, we want to prepare um, very well for um, the rollout or implementation of our digital tools um, by max you know maximizing our time together, leveraging 
um, leveraging our uh, champion networks, our, our implementation managers um, in a way that um, it's a peer-to-peer -peer, um, thing as well. Um, so we grow knowledge right through small groups and then grow that um, into bigger groups as we go. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. When we talk about the challenges, I, I asked you your perspective mm -hmm. on what you think the biggest challenge facing mm -hmm. those men and women on the front lines is, but I'm, I'm curious if you were to put yourself in their shoes and, mm -hmm. and maybe you've asked some of them, what do you think they would say their biggest challenges are? Do they, do they see it the same way or, or are they looking inside the organization and as with a different set of challenges? I mean, the thing I hear the most is, you know, uh, having time to learn something new. I mean, yeah. the biggest thing I hear the most, um, I think some of the challenges around um, seeing uh, beyond um, uh, you want to replace something that you've done before with something new that you're doing that takes less time, but perhaps, you know, the learning curve, right? Helping them understand there's a learning curve. And while like for like today, as I'm learning it, it, it may take the same amount of time, I'm going to get faster over time. And there's going, it's going to incrementally, um, as we um, are add more new capabilities, are able to enhance the work process even more. So I think helping them understand that learning curve, um, I think at first you know, glance, they don't see right. Uh, the improvement. So that's, I think that's the biggest challenge is that they're thinking perhaps it's not making an improvement when it really is. So That's interesting. Well, what do you think, do you have a sense for what the consequences are to the frontline workers and to the organization when they're not given the time that they need? Like what, what happens, what doesn't work or what goes wrong when they're not given that time? The, it, the thing that we see on the business readiness team is, is that we get more questions, uh, a lot of questions and more, you know, service, uh, support tickets and those types of things. Um, so our objective is to try to, try to provide as much learning as we can up front um, so that uh, we reduce the frustration uh, on the back end, uh, looking for support or asking questions. Uh, sometimes I find myself developing large, frequently asked question documents that basically repeat the learning, right? Yep. Um, and that's on the back end. So what we want to do is is move that time to the to the front end, right? So they have to spend less time asking for help uh, when they're trying to implement. Yeah, I, I've heard from a few companies. Some of it's on the podcast. Some of it's just a result of you know our, our normal business that sometimes the challenges that come up um, with either poor adoption of the technology or people are using it, but they may not be using it correctly or, you know, essentially as it was intended, the effects of that are not necessarily felt by the men and women on the front lines themselves. The effects are felt by people downstream, people in the back office that have to correct invoices or correct orders or correct, mm -hmm. you know, other, mm -hmm. other things that are a result of those missteps. Do you see that at all when, when you're trying to get uh, adoption across the board with with those folks on the front lines, I've, I've seen it improve vastly over time. I, I again, I was in customer service. I saw the constant, you know, fixing afterwards of the invoices. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, 
I think it's a lot different. You know, we've come a long way. And so um, I, I see us a much better, in a much better place. Um, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, you know, where, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time, um, you know, helping even in-person training or virtual training, um, explaining things um, so that, you know, it, we can't capture everything in, in our training content. Right. Our, our frontline workers know more than we do about their day-to-day -day activities. And so getting that feedback and incorporating it um, into learning, best practices, success stories, um, I, I see us much further down the road. Uh, I don't think we're fixing uh, as much as we were in the past. Yeah, it. I would say more in the last probably three months, I've mm -hmm. heard from learning and development leadership and change mm -hmm. leadership teams, this idea of bringing agile into mm -hmm. training and communications. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting, you know, mm -hmm. from a software development standpoint, that's mm -hmm. been an approach that's been used. We're not trying to boil the ocean all at mm -hmm. one time. We're trying to make incremental changes and, and mm -hmm. be responsive and nimble and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely makes perfect sense to approach learning and communication in the same way. And I think one of the things that is really important in that is having a feedback loop, having mechanisms to understand, you know, what's working, what's not, and, you know, how we can continue to improve that. Have you uncovered any interesting ways to, to gather that feedback? Like what's driving you when you think about that agile approach, what's driving you to, to make those changes? Where do you get that information from? Yeah, we're increasing our communications around this this area. So uh, we are making our release uh, notes more available, as well as we leverage a feedback forum uh, that's uh, linked directly into our tools. And we're taking those feedback uh, from from the forums and bringing them into our um, agile development processes. Um, and we're actually listening to our, our end users and now wait a just, second. Did you just say you're actually listening to the feedback? Is that what you just said? We are, we're, <laughs> we're putting it into our roadmaps and our backlogs and we're really excited to see that, um, grow and develop. I and mean, we, we just started, but, um, we've seen it done successfully and, uh, want to do more of it. Um, you know, we're starting to roll out new tools to larger and larger audiences, and we need to be able to have a place to collect all that and, and really apply, apply that to what we're developing. So um, we're more focused on, um, you know, what's in our release and what do our, our users saying. Yeah. Have there been any surprises that have at least surprises to you, maybe not to others, but surprises to you when you've gotten some of that feedback where you've said, oh man, we would never have imagined that this would have been something that they've wanted or that we misunderstood this process. Anything that really kind of caught you off guard in that way? Um, I don't know if it's anything that caught off guard, but I think it gives us um, insight into how the tool's being used as, for instance, um, where, where we were asked to develop a standard template of a particular output document for our customers and, and build it in a way that they can just go copy and paste a, a particular type of template versus them having to build it from scratch. 
every time. So um, as they're using it, they're seeing some efficiencies and they're, and they're providing that feedback to us. And then uh, we are developing like standard templates and things that they can copy. Um, uh, copy into their into their tools, whether it's you know a setup they did or something that they've done at a, one customer that apply could apply to another, right? Able to copy those type of templates and reuse them. So I think that's the biggest feedback and um, biggest thing we've been able to give back back to them. So you have been able to take that feedback and turn it into something as as part yeah. of a new release. One other piece of feedback now that comes to mind is that, you know, we had built some mobile mobile phone applications uh, for the reps to use out in the field. But when we went to the pandemic, um, we got a lot of feedback from the field that our customers wanted to use those, but they didn't have the mobile phones. They weren't issued mobile phones. And so we quickly turned that application into a desktop application, you know, just so that our customers can use it. So Another piece of feedback that we're getting from the field, you know, about how things are uh, going at the customer site, how they're applying it and letting us know. So this, you know, the name of the show is Frontline Innovators. And this part of the awesome aspect of this is that the men and women on the front lines, if we really set this up right, they could be the eyes and ears for the organization. Right. So they're not just the executors. But they're like, they are part of the feedback mechanism. And so that example that you just shared is awesome that they're listening to their customers. They have insights that are feeding back into the organization at headquarters that may not have their finger on the pulse just because in the same way that the men and women who are out there with customers day in and day out every day, and they're hearing that feedback and those anecdotes, that's, that's a fantastic example. I love to hear that. When, what do you think? is like when you're thinking about how to deploy change for for the men and women in the field, you, you've talked a lot about training and communication. And I'm wondering if you have tools that you use in your organization specifically to uh, communication. Uh, obviously, I'm in the business. I have a technology platform for training. So that's of interest to me. I'm just curious to hear what other tools you're using around that front, but but also on the communication front. You've talked a lot about communication today as an integral part of, mm -hmm. of change with, with um, training as well. And I'm just curious to understand, are you using tools from Microsoft? Are there other platforms that you're using today? How are you executing on that? Yeah, our virtual training, we use uh, Microsoft Teams. Um, um, we have, you know, communication tools. Uh, we have, um, I'm trying to think of it, uh, the, uh, the salesforce.com communication Tool, which the tool like a uh, chatter is it uh chatter it, the, marketing, it the, the, the marketing the yeah. marketing email tool. yeah okay i can't think yep. of the name of it off the top of my head okay um you know we use that um we uh we are working more we have podcasts that so we created our own podcast oh, really? um a couple of years ago um which you know we need to kind of use some more and, and get more people using um but trying to get the voice the voice of the of the field, the voice of our business out to the end users. So we're, we're doing that as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I wish we had, you know, is, is the way we, in, for training, we incorporate um, business scenarios into our e-learning. We incorporate 
um, benefits, um, you know, application type of scenarios into our training, as well as, you know, what button to click and what button not to click and those types yep. of things. I, I would love some kind of journey type of training where, because, you know, our frontline workers are not only using the tools, but they're in front of the customer and they have different applications. And it I would love to be able to capture that in some type of, you know, uh, virtual, virtual training or uh, in a way that shows the whole picture. You know, I, I've used some journey mapping um, and that's, that's nice to do the build, but to get that perspective, you know, back in our training would be wonderful. Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. What do you think is when you talk about those, um, the, the scenarios and the journey, are, are there disconnects between the learning and the actual scenarios. Like I, I feel like what you're saying there is that there are some gaps between kind of the real world versus the the content that you're creating. Can can we explore that a little bit further? Um, you know the the gaps are getting the training into their hands at the right time and the right in the right topic. You know, in smaller chunks. So we, we found ways to integrate training content into their existing tools as far as linking them to training um, learning management systems, uh, as an example. And we really like that, but it, it almost seems like it's an extra step. And, it, and it, you know, the more we can integrate the training, but not just, you know, the tool maintenance, but but where do you use this? What kind of conversations do you have when you see this information? How, how do you address this situation? Um, those, those are the kind of gaps that I, I love to fill yeah. um, it, when it comes to training. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you tried anything thus far? Uh, it, not yet. <laughs> we, we've been, you know, busy kind of getting the training into the platform as well as um, integrating our feedback forum. So it was, it was a magic wand uh, dream yeah. that I, <laughs> that I have that I was like, okay, what's next? You know, um, okay. I, I know we do, we use, um, you know, some virtual, um, virtual reality type things for our, our services. I'd love to kind of integrate, you know, that into the training somehow. So, yeah, no, that's great. I actually just talked to, um, another, uh, he, he will be a future podcast. We just had our pro call this afternoon, but he was telling me about using some, um, virtual reality tools mm -hmm. in order to help their field service technicians in the field. And I, I think that's such a, a great example of some of the possibilities. I mean, this is an app that you can basically download off the app store. There's obviously an enterprise solution around that. Um, but I mean, these tools are here and available yeah. today to, to really help facilitate in that case, it's really more of a remote support solution so that when, uh, when somebody in the field doesn't know how to do something, they have mm -hmm. the ability to access remote support, yeah. but it's, it's all of these incredible tools that, you know, five or 10 years ago, just would have been impossible or only, you know, uh, in our mind that are really here and available today. And so there's, there's really no excuse for, for not exploring them and seeing how they can improve the business. That, that kind of brings me to the, the next thing that I wanted to explore with you just is about what, what do you see in like, we talk a lot about the future of work and I think the future has been brought a lot closer in the last two years because there's been so much acceleration. The pace of this change is just really accelerated. And I mm -hmm. think the pandemic has forced us 
to uh, be more open-minded to change all the things that we've been talking about up until this point. When you think out Mm -hmm. a few years ahead, what do you think the future of work for the frontline workforce really looks like and how's it different than today? I just, you know, I, I envision, you know, the future being that, you know, we're rolling out new features that are, are very easy for them to pick up and move in and do things with. Um, I, you know, it depends on the complexity of the business um, and, and ours is, is complex. Um, I'd love to see where, where things were so intuitive that, you know, they didn't, uh, need training, but uh, you know, there's a lot to learn in our business. Um, and so, you know, h- how can we, you know, take that mindset, you know, and apply it? Um, I really um, want to understand, you know, what the impacts are uh, on that learner experience and understand the journey and understand the personas so that um, they. Uh, we don't have have to worry about uh, testing or <laughs> training, you know, that we, we can just, you know, try something quick. And we've done it in a couple of uh, places um, and it's, it's a, you know, rapid development and ra- rapid release. Um, and so, you know, love to kind of see how that goes. Yeah. That's excellent. There's, I, I listened to a, uh, uh, a podcast recently, somebody else's uh, podcast. I'm actually trying to get one of these folks um, onto frontline innovators because they had some really interesting perspectives. But they they talked about this perception that we all have that, that kind of consumer market. Things are just so intuitive, we just pick them up and we can just start using them. And that's mm-hmm. something that we want to try to model, you know, mm-hmm. inside enterprise applications. But he brought up a bit of a counterpoint to that, which is mm-hmm. that some of the things that seem so incredibly intuitive are really accompanied by literally multi-billion dollar marketing programs, which is essentially part of, you know, I'll use Apple as an example, right? Long before the release or before I got an iPhone 13 in my hands, I'd been inundated by advertising from Apple telling me that, you know, if I had this new phone in my hand, I was going to become a cinematographer because Mm -hmm. of all the great capabilities of the camera. And they were showing Mm -hmm. me advertisements about the capabilities of the camera, right? And they were going in deep on all of these new capabilities. So lo and behold, when I get this thing in my hand, you know, what's the first thing I do? I go start exploring the capabilities of the camera. And that wasn't an accident. That's exactly what Apple wanted me to do, right? They were helping, they, they were essentially um, enabling, that's their change management strategy for me as a consumer, right? They had a very thorough communication plan where they spent probably tens or hundreds of millions of dollars communicating to the public as this new phone was coming out and and becoming more widespread. And then once I actually got this thing in my hand, I'm like, oh, this thing's got a massive camera and and things become feel very intuitive and easy. But that was accompanied by a pretty big messaging plan, you know? And so I just, I I wonder, I, I think there are always ways that we can improve the intuitive nature of the applications, but I think we just can't lose sight of the fact that even in the consumer markets, uh, we are being educated. We're just being educated in a different way. You know, we're not, we're not being educated by an email from HR or an email from the project team, but we are being educated through advertising and, and some of those other, uh, you know, communication methods from those, those consumer companies. I don't know. Do you, do you, do you feel the same way about that or do you, do you see it differently? I, I, I do feel the same way. And, and here's how I like to apply that to, you know, business to business and, you know, complex, uh, not multi-million dollar campaigns yep. is, 
you know, really capturing those best practices and those success stories that we are having and and communicating those effectively and throughout our work for frontline workers, um, really sharing sharing all these best practices and helping people see, you know, what can be done, you know, when when you apply, you know, the technology and your and your skills and your creativity, right, to the to to the tools that we're you know rolling out. So. I really think that comes, you know, those testimonials from our customers, best practices, success stories. We have to, you know, speak them uh, loud and wide, you know. And I think that's our 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 marketing campaign. And it, it doesn't cost a million dollars. It just it just causes, you know, cost us the sharing the sharing of our knowledge, right? Yeah, and I'm glad you're separating. I. I maybe overemphasize that the budget, you know, that Apple and Samsung and the other guys are, are making that, that that is actually not the point you've actually made the better point, which is that they with their expensive ad campaigns are doing something very similar to what you just talked about. So to, okay. to reuse my Apple 13 example, what did they do? They showed me a bunch of video clips that were made with an iPhone 13 and they showed that I can be like this person who made this amazing video, right? That was actually part of their ad campaign. Yeah. And they're showing us all the things that we can do. And they're showing us the best practices of how we can use the camera, right? And, and the amazing outcomes that we can have when we get that camera. That is exactly what you just said in terms of taking those stories, using them as best practices to help mm -hmm. the, the next folks understand what's possible, right? Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. It's, it's not important about the size of the budget. What's important is that we're taking those messages about how to do things and why to do things and what's possible with this new technology mm -hmm. and giving them those case studies so that they can see themselves in that future state, I, I think is what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's but I think exactly, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, yeah. and we have some great ones and it's just a matter of, you know, letting everyone know and making sure it's in front of people. And if that means, you know, more champions, more subject matter experts, you know, walking alongside those who are learning um, and showing them the way, paving the path. That is, that is what we hope to do. Yeah. That's excellent. You think there's anything that's misunderstood about the, the, the men and women on the front lines? You, you sound like you have such a great connection with them and, and true relationships. And there's, there've mm -hmm. been a few people that I've had on the podcast that have spoken about it, not as just empathy with a desire to understand, but actually relationships. Uh, I've, I think I've given her a shout out a couple of times, but Jennifer Pickert over at Southwest Airlines actually talked about deep. She talked deeply about the relationships um, and the importance of those relationships. And I hear that a lot in, in what you're talking about. And I wonder if that gives you any insight that maybe others don't know. What, what's something that maybe you've uncovered about the men and women, something that maybe the rest of us don't really understand about that kind of worker profile, these men and women that are hustling, that are out in front of your customers, anything that you can teach us about them that you've learned? Our business readiness team has customer success managers, and they used to be um, frontline workers, right? So um, so that's very helpful in, in helping us, un, you know, understand and be empathetic as well as, um, you know, going out and talking with them and help, helping see what their challenges are. And, you know, we, we do that as much as we possibly can as far as uh, being in front of them and listening and, and hearing their feedback and their questions 
because their questions mean they don't understand, which means we right. can build better training and we could, you know, build better tools. So um, that helps us understand them. I don't know if they're misunderstood as much as we just need to go out and listen to them more and, and um, you know, go out into the field. And it's been unfortunate, you know, that we can't do it during the pandemic, but um, we, we've done that in the past and it's always been, you know, eye-opening to, to really get in and listen to our field force. For the last 10 or 15 years of my career, mm-hmm. with the exception of the last two, I've probably been out in the field, in trucks, at airports, in warehouses, mm-hmm. in manufacturing facilities. I'm having like withdrawal symptoms because that is my favorite part of doing mm-hmm. what we do is getting out to actually see how the world works, see how the men and women are interacting with their environments. And, and of course, I've got a technology bent, so I'm always interested in seeing how the technology is, is fitting into their work. And I've just really, really missed Mm-hmm. that part. And so I'm so excited that things seem mm-hmm. to be getting back into some state of normalcy. And um, I'll be very excited as we can continue to do some more of those field trips. I think it's it's yeah. awesome to hear you talk about the importance of getting out there and, and the lessons that can be learned from that. Yeah, for sure. What's the, um, we're already coming up close on the end of time here, but I, I want to make sure I, I hear this from you. In, and that is, what do you think is the um, the impact or, or the contribution that you've made in your organization that you are most proud of throughout your career? Um, I'm most proud of the, the relationships that I've made out in the field that help um, build trust um, to, you know, work with my um, frontline workers and um, build trust so that it, it does help adoption, whether it helps me build better um, training or whether it helps, it helps them, you know, try it, <laughs> give it a try, think about changing, go through the change curve, um, you know, go with me through this, you know, we, you know we'll, we're going to go through this together. And so I'm just most proud of, you know, the trust that I've built with them uh, as a large, as a large sales force, it's not just me, we've got a large team. Um, but you know, me, for me personally, that's what I'm most proud of. That's, that's excellent. It's and not surprising just listening to you talk for, for the last little bit, since we've started this conversation, it's, it's not surprising that you would place such a, an emphasis on that. Is there any advice that you would give to the folks that are listening that, that may be dealing with frontline workers and, you know, mobile technology deployments and things like that for the first time, any advice that you'd give to them from the things that you've learned over your time doing this? Um, you know, listen, uh, uh, of course, um, take feedback um, and, um, you know, take it um, seriously. Um, sometimes, you know, we listen to feedback and we, you have to balance, right? Is that an individual's perspective versus group perspective? Um, so listen and then perhaps get other uh, feedback uh, from, from other users and see if it's consistent. Um, test it out, um, you know, um, send out a survey or it just help, help to understand how consistent the feeling is. Um, don't, but don't jump, you know, to a conclusion based on one piece of feedback, you know, gather, gather this feedback um, from, from as many people as you can and, um, you know, test out your hypotheses and, 
and uh, apply them. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm always intrigued with the idea of trying to figure out the right sample size for that feedback in, mm-hmm. in organizations like yours that have hundreds or thousands or in some organizations, mm-hmm. tens of thousands of people. How do you know what the appropriate sample mm-hmm. size is to make sure that we're collecting feedback and that we don't mm-hmm. just have some outliers that mm-hmm. end up you know, pulling us in, in one direction or another? Yeah. And uh, I don't know, my, my conclusion, I think, from listening to a lot of folks like you is that it's part science, part art <laughs> in, in trying to figure that out. But, but also something else that you've talked about a lot today is, is not being so rigid in any one plan, mm-hmm. but that as we continue to learn and as you continue to get feedback, that you can be more nimble with your plan over time. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've adopted a science. You know, we have sales districts. We have um, global regions. So we make sure that we're looking at different cultures. We make sure that we're looking at different um, application business scenarios right? So that we, we know that it isn't just good for one business, it's good for multiple businesses. We, we work with multiple business units uh, all the time. So it, it is part, part science. And, um, and we also, you know, um, you know, trust the people that are giving us feedback, we ask for honest feedback, and they do a good job. They do a good job at that. You've definitely made the case to me and I'm sure uh, our listeners as well of the importance of developing those relationships so that you can have uh, Mm -hmm. a culture of trust. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I know it sounds so obvious, but actually listening to the feedback that you're getting from the field, incorporating that, using that Mm -hmm. as part of the the communication plan. I think you've Mm -hmm. you've really laid out a lot of best practices that uh, I know I'll, I'll be able to take into my day and I hope some of our listeners will be able to do the same. So thank you for all your input today. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, and it's so great to meet you, Justin. Yeah. I'm excited. You, you as well. I do have to wrap it up there. Sure. So to our audience, I hope you found this uh, conversation as enjoyable as I have. I know we got uh, a lot of great uh, tidbits from Susan throughout the show. Um, if you have enjoyed this as much as I have, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. Reminder that this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. It's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And we're always looking for new guests on the show. So if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, make an introduction and share your story. And uh, maybe we'll see them on the next episode. Susan, thanks again for your time today. You're welcome.